Okay, ladies, the message. Last week, chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, Paul addressed and corrected the believers in Thessalonica about the day of the Lord. They were thinking it had come, and the persecution they were experiencing was due to the great tribulation. But we know Paul was wanting to reassure them, no, that was not what was going on. Both of Paul's letters to this new church were to encourage them in how they were doing and to comfort them in the midst of their persecution. For this week now, chapter 2, Paul continued to correct their belief as to the second coming of the Lord. And he explains to them or actually reminds them of what needs to take place first before God's wrath will be poured out on an unbelieving and a Christ-rejected world. So if you would turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to read um, a couple of verses from there. I want to read the first two. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Now, he didn't want them troubled or to be upset because of what Paul supposedly had told them about being in the Great Tribulation. Now, you had an optional in the lesson about um, explaining, researching and explaining what spirit or word or by letter may have meant. Now, basically, I want to just touch on it. Uh, either, and they don't know, we don't know for sure, but they either had a person in their congregation that brought forth a prophecy, which is like God speaking to his church, about them being in the great tribulation, or someone had come in, a false teacher, and had been teaching that, or someone had sent a letter to them talking about it and had forged Paul's name had made it look like or sound like the letter had come from Paul. And Paul is saying, look, that did not come from me. It did not come from us. Whatever you heard is not from us. And he basically was saying in verse 5, remember when I was there with you, I told you about this. And he goes on and he tells them about the Antichrist who's going to need to come on the scene and a falling away that's going to come before the Lord comes back. We're not talking about when he comes to gather his church. We're talking about when he comes back with his saints and God's wrath will be poured out on the unbelieving world. Uh, Many believe verse 7 has to do with the Holy Spirit, who is the restraining power that is keeping the Antichrist from setting himself up now as God, which he will do at some point in the future whether it's the Holy Spirit within the believers, as each believer is filled with the Holy Spirit, or if this was referring to the church, the true born-again church of the living God, um, when the Lord comes and takes back, comes for his bride and catches us up. But the church does have a preserving influence. We, as believers, have Uh, an influence, a preserving influence right now, as evil as we see things, right? Can you imagine if there weren't Christians around, if there weren't true born-again believers, if the Holy Spirit was not at work on the earth, how much worse it would be? 
Well, those who believe in the rapture, again, see this portion as the Lord coming for his bride, removing the church and its influence, and then the people will be even more deceived and believe even worse lies and, and delusions. So after Paul declares all this, then he exhorts the believers to stand fast. Don't leave what you have been taught, either by us in person when we were there or when Timothy was there or what I've written to you. So three areas that I want to really highlight and go over are three areas that we are to stand firm or stand fast in. The faith, the word, and the work. So before we look at th these three areas, what does it mean to stand firm? or to stand fast. You've talked about this in the past. The New Living Translation says, stand firm and keep a strong grip. NIV and the New American Standard say, stand firm and hold to the teachings you've received. And you're gonna share more in your group because you were all asked to rewrite verse 15 in your own words. Uh, but it, Basically, don't fall away, don't let go of, hold on to with a tight grip, don't be moved away, don't be swayed away, but be firm in your stand, be steadfast, immovable, don't be shaken, don't be moved away. From what? Number one, stand fast in your faith. Verses 13 and 14 are referring to the, their, their salvation and their sanctification, which are received by faith, right? It's when you put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, that the, you were saved and that the sanctifying process began. Um, we talked about faith last week, and it's basically our trust in God for our salvation and then for our day-to-day -day living in those things we experience here on earth. And it's to believe in him. It's to trust in him. It's to rely on him. It's to lean on him and know that he is going to be with you every step of the way to hold you up. It's to know his character. It's to know who he is. It's to resist doubt and confusion when they come. And I'm sure you've all experienced doubt and confusion. But those are not from God, and God during those times wants you to press into him and to stand fast in your faith. When you think about the cults that claim to be Christian, that take the name of Jesus in their religion, and they profess to believe in Jesus, but the, the, the Jesus that they believe in is not the Jesus of the Bible. He is not the Son of God, sinless Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. They don't believe in the same Jesus that we believe in. Um, some of them believe that Jesus is still on the cross, paying for their sins. Some believe that it's, yes, salvation through Jesus and their good deeds and what they do. Don't be swayed. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived by those just because they take the name Jesus. Jesus said there were going to be other uh, people coming, claiming to be Jesus in, in the last days. Don't be moved away from your trust in Christ for your salvation. And through faith alone, what Jesus did is enough. When you truly believe it, you will have works as a result, but not works to contribute to your salvation. You're saved through faith in Jesus. 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul wrote to Timothy, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, which is referring to the last days, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits 
and doctrines of demons. And it goes on there talking about how they're forbidden to marry and, and they can't eat certain things. Hebrews 3.12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So don't be deceived, ladies. Know the truth, stand on the truth, and be trusting in the truth. Be, stand firm, be steadfast, don't move away from your faith in Jesus as your Savior and the work he did on the cross and in day-to-day -day experiences as you, as you go through hard things. I remember when I first got saved, the thought came, how do you know this is really real? And then someone my husband worked with, we got together with them one, one evening, and he said, how do you know that man didn't invent God rather than God creating man? And there's doubts that come your way. When you go through hard, painful times, sometimes, God, are you, are you really there? Don't give in to that doubt. Stand firm in your faith, in your trust of God. Number two, stand fast in the word, in the word of God. 2 Thessalonians 2.15, again, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our letter. Ladies, we have the whole Bible. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's so much more than what they had in that day. We have even more that we can hold on to and are to stand firm in, believing, to keep a strong grip on. Paul's letters became part of our New Testament. What he taught, he had received from his growing up as a very devout Jew, he was very knowledgeable in Jewish tradition and probably from the Torah, the five books of Moses that they had access to. And he also taught what Jesus taught him directly because most believe after he got saved, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he went out to the desert for three years and we believe that he was being instructed by the Lord before he went out and started the ministry that so influenced the whole world and is still influencing us today. And we know from 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So we need to know it, not just part of it, not just the part we like, not just the promises, but all of it. We need to learn it, we need to know it, and we need to obey it. James 1.22, we're going to deceive ourselves if we know about it but don't do it. We're going to be easily deceived if we don't learn the Bible, if we don't know the Bible. We need to grow in knowing it, and we do grow in knowing it as we read it regularly. We're going to grow in knowing it as we study it diligently. I hope you've grown in your knowledge of God's Word since you've been coming to the Bible study, whether it's for a few weeks or for a few years. It takes time. You don't just get saved one night and the next day know the Bible from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation, what is it, 23-20 or whatever it is. It takes time to read it, to digest it. But the more you do, the more you're going to know it and remember it. If you choose to read it every day, to study it, then you will grow in knowing more and more of it. The enemy is going to do what he can to keep you out of the Bible and to keep the Bible out of you. That's, that's a, a neat little saying. Don't let the enemy keep the Bible, you out of the Bible and the Bible out of you. There's only so much time in a day, often our to-do lists are way more than one day can handle. 
And I'll tell you, you're never going to find time. If you think, okay, I'm going to find time today, your morning's going to come and go. You need to make time. It's a choice. You choose to spend time in God's word, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever it might be. You have to choose to make God's word a priority. You choose if you're going to open it and read it. But the more you do, again, the more you're going to want to because you're going to learn more and more about how much God loves you, how much he's faithful and takes care of you. Um, and, and you're going to love hearing from the Lord to receive instruction and guidance, to be comforted and encouraged when you need to, to be nourished, to be loved, and on and on. When I first got saved, or before I got saved, I tried to read Genesis 1, because I did believe the Bible was God's word. And I opened it and started, okay, I'll start at the beginning like you do normally any book. Well, none of it made any sense. And if you have been listening to Pastor Michael on Sundays, you know a few weeks back, he talked about how the natural man, the one that was not born again, cannot discern the things of the spirit. The natural man is not going to have spiritual understanding of the word. But as you're born again and you have the Spirit of God, he brings life to the Word. It is living, and he gives you understanding of what it means, what it means to you, how, how you should be applying it. Um, I love it when someone shares a verse that they think the Lord gave them to give to me. I love to talk about God's Word and share God's Word with others. Um, his word is our sword when we fight against the enemy, right? Ephesians 6. In Matthew 4, 4, we learn that his word is our daily food. His word lights our path and so much more when you go through Psalm 119. His word is living and it does speak to us. Sometimes it's loud and clear. There's no denying when you open your Bible and what God has said to you. Other times it's just kind of like when you eat a meal and you're not paying much attention, you just know you need to eat it because it's going to nourish your body. Well, spiritually sometimes we just open the word and read it, but we know it is going to nourish us even if we're not getting a you know, the light come on kind of situation every time we open it. But we do need to open it and read it with anticipation that God will speak to us and that he will accomplish what he's wanting to do. You know, when you think about it being food for us spiritually, you think about daily meals. How many go without eating throughout the day? How many skip like three meals a day? Not very often unless you're choosing to fast over something. We need to be in God's word every day and have a meal. You need to, just like you go out to a restaurant and be served a meal, you need to come to church and be served a meal from God's word, from someone else that has prepared a meal for you. Snacks throughout the day, devotions, um, your, a calendar that ha you turn the page and it has a scripture and a little explanation on it. There's so many things that we need to be uh, snacking on during the day and in the word. I want to read you Psalm verse, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Or for us, it's the word of God. And in his word, he meditates day and night. 
He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. It basically is saying that when you are delighting in God's word and you know it, no matter what comes, a dry season, a hard time, your roots are going to go down deep because you're planted by the living water. You're drinking in of God's word and drinking in the living water. You're not going to be uprooted when the storm comes. Your leaf isn't going to wither, but you will be successful in God. When doubt or confusion comes, go to God's word. When hurt and despair come, go to God's word. When needing direction and guidance, go to God's word. Ladies, learn it, know it, obey it, share it, rely on it, hold fast to it, stand firm in it. Okay, third, stand fast in the work. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17 read, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. God has work for you to do. He has work he wants to do, not only in you as he makes you, as you're being conformed into Christ's image, but he has work to do through you. He wants to use you. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are his workmanship, which means, or his poem, his work of art, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's prepared good works for you to do, and he's prepared you for those good works. Ladies, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right, who is at work in us, changing us from the inside out, to make us more like Jesus, but we're also an instrument in God's hands that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work through us in touching others. We're vessels, no matter our background, no matter our testimony, no matter our shape or size or age, God has work for us to do. Now, some of you I know know this uh, little story, but it bears repeating, especially for those that have never heard it. And it's about uh, the water bearer. A water bearer in India had two large pots, each hung on each end of a pole, which he carried across his neck. <clears throat> One of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water. At the end of the walk from the stream to the master's house, the crack pot only arrived half full. For a full two years, this went on daily, with the bearer delivering only one and a half pots full of water in his master's house. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, perfect to the end for which it was made. But the poor crack pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. I am ashamed of myself and want to apologize to you. Why? asked the bearer. What are you ashamed of? I have been able for these past two years to deliver only half my load because this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your master's house. Because of my flaws, you have to do all of this work and you don't get full value from your efforts, the pot said. Well, the water bearer felt sorry for the old crack pot and in his compassion, he said, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. Indeed, as they went up the hill, the old crackpot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wildflowers on the side of the path. 
and it, it cheered it up some. But at the end of the trail, it still felt bad because it leaked out half of its load again. So it apologized to the bear once more for its failure. The bear said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path and not on the other side? That's because I've always known about your flaw and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path and every day while we walk back from the stream, you've watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being just the way you are, he would not have this beauty to grace his house. Moral, each of us has our own unique flaws. We are all just cracked pots. And we need to remember that, ladies. It's, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, right? We're just the vessel. The, the power, the glory, the praise all goes to the Lord because he's in us and he does the work. And remember 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. Whatever work he's called you to, he's going to empower you to do it. He doesn't need your ability. He only needs your availability. He only needs you to say, Lord, here I am, use me and trust him to give you the ability to do whatever he's wanting you to do. Um, there's seasons of our journey, ladies, and sometimes the seasons we're in, we're just sitting, being comforted, being instructed, we're learning. But then there come seasons where God wants you to go out and do something with what you've been taught and to be used by him, to put into action everything that you've learned. God's placed you in his body where it has pleased him. And every part of our body has a function. Um, and he wants to use you to minister to others. I, I can't tell you all how or when or where, but I know he has good work for you to do. It may or may not be with any talents that you were born with. Sometimes someone has um, grows up and learns how to play an instrument, but then when they get saved, God might have a completely different area of ministry for them. Before I got saved, I was going to, I got my early childhood education teaching certificate. Oh, it sounds so impressive. It's not. But I worked in a preschool. Then I became an assistant director, and I probably would have continued. But I got saved, and little by little, the Lord drew me out of that. He never put me in children's ministry with all that background and training and experience. He put me in the women's ministry. So, sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it may, thank you, it may or may not be what you were born with, but if it is something you were born with, when you're saved, give it over to him, surrender it to him, use it for his glory if that, that's what he calls you to, but don't be surprised if out of the blue he calls you to do something that you never thought that you could do. Um, there's lots of things that go on behind the scenes. There's things up front, of course, but there's, we have a sewing ministry, we have a, a mission ministry, they go twice a month to the Corona mission to feed those that come in for that. Cards, meals, praying, certainly. Um, children's ministry, doing the slides. There's so many different areas where you can serve. Taking a meal to a neighbor, uh, taking a card over, grocery shopping for someone, driving them to a doctor's appointment. There's so many different areas, but there are good works that God wants you to hold on to and to do. Um, and don't think, well, not me, or I'm too busy. Remember, I've shared with you what a pastor told me once, that someone that was a, a Satan worshiper told him 
being busy. Busy is being under Satan's yoke, and that's where the enemy wants to keep us, so busy that we don't have time to serve the Lord, so busy about other things, things in this world that we don't have time to do the work that the Lord has called us to do. So don't, don't think, or, or I'm not qualified. God qualifies the called. As he appoints, he anoints. So don't let doubt, busyness, pride get in the way of the work that God wants you to do or to walk in. Uh, Pastor's, Pastor Michael's message this last Sunday where he taught about being an under rower, the one down under the ship that is dirty, sweaty, just rowing to keep that ship going until they almost can't move. The Lord's never going to treat us that way, but it's an attitude of humility. It's being willing to do whatever the Lord places in your path to do, and it's doing it in obedience to him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What you're doing for the Lord, he knows, he sees whether you're acknowledged or not, whether you're appreciated or not, whether uh, you're affirmed in it. When you're serving the Lord and you're doing what he's called you to do, your labor is not going to be in vain. It will accomplish. It will bring forth fruit. It will bring forth praise to the Lord. You'll be building up treasures in heaven, ladies. You're going to be serving your Lord and Master. You'll be partnering together with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be co-laboring with the Lord in this work. Your ministry is always first to the Lord. Your relationship with the Lord. Then your family, if you have a spouse, if you have children, if you still have parents, your, your immediate family, but then, then in the work God has called you to do outside in the church or through the church or just wherever you go. Time is short, ladies. Don't be moved away. Stand firm. Stand fast. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what your struggles, no matter what the world has to offer to you or whatever lies the enemy would tempt you with, hold on to your faith and trust in the Lord. Hold on to the word of God. Learn it, know it, obey it, share it. Hold on to the work God has for you to do, and don't be moved away. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the empowering of your spirit and the gifts that enable us to do the work you've called us to do. We thank you that we learn more of you as we do read. Lord, in, that, um, in these days, Lord, where... <laughs> So many lies are going forth. So much darkness. Help us to hold on to your word, to know it and hold on to it. It is truth. It is light. And Lord, we, we need it desperately. And we need to desperately, we're desperate to hear from you, to know of your love and your goodness and your grace and your mercy, but also of your power and the work that you would have us to do, that we could make a difference, Lord, leaving that, that difference to you, but being willing to be used by you for your glory. Lord, I pray you bless the discussion groups as the women minister one to another and share those things, Lord, that you have been speaking to them. So thank you for the privilege we have to gather so freely in your name and talk about you and to talk about your word and how it applies to our lives. So thank you, Lord. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, ladies.